0: On one of the coldest days in December 2022, I was really fortunate to be able to catch up with Dr. Alad Singleton from Swansea University. First of all, I asked Alad about his own background and how he came to be so interested in the emotional attachment that people form at different stages of their lives to places. And then we moved on to talk about the role of walking in that process.
1: I actually spent 10 years working in local government doing regeneration projects. So that means uh, working with local sort of shopping centres, town centres, all sorts of kind of built environment stuff that local authorities do. So I got a really good understanding of how to change places and how to introduce cycle routes and just basically how people in different places kind of have a relationship with you know, the everyday space. And I did that for 10 years. And I've done quite a few other projects as well, which are around people's relationship with places. And then in 2016, I decided that I was going to take up an opportunity to do a PhD, which was specifically about emotional attachment to space and place, particularly for older people. So yeah, it was a real chance to kind of leave behind that, let's call it the sort of a solid-ish career in local government and do something quite different. But it is all on the same kind of continuum of trying to understand a bit more deeply how people connect with places at different stages in their life. And then I guess when I first started the PhD, I went on this urban ethnography course in London, run by Goldsmiths University and the London School of Economics, set in, in Peckham in South London. And so we, we had two days of just walking around Peckham. The actual two days I spent with the other people there, this critical urban ethnography course was really interesting. It's just a really good way for the people leading the session to actually show us that place and for us to develop different ways of understanding everyday life there. I, I remember that, um. I, I've always been interested in sketching things, so I'll just go around and sketch stuff or paint things, and that's what I did as part of this course. But then other people came back uh, at the end of the the, the two day workshop, and they they had actually done sort of like a, a smell um, ethnography of the place. So they'd, they'd walk around, Peckham and say, "This is how it smells. This is a different bit of smell," and it really made me think quite hard about um, how. You know that that was done by walking around and also there was another one which was which was uh sound as well so i i guess i'd been looking at the visual and some of the others had been chatting to you know passers by and local people and we've all of it had been done essentially by just walking around that was a really important foundation for me i also worked with refugees and asylum seekers and uh, I'd lived abroad myself as well, and so I always understood that walking was a good way to explore a place. And then also, I, as a kind of like a leisure thing, uh, I did a lot of walking, particularly with my dad and with my friends, and started to kind of really appreciate that actually walking was a good, a good way to talk to people in terms of, you know, you you could have a deep conversation with another person when you are. With them and 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 sort of on foot, and i I kind of also started to realize that I could remember things quite well from a walking conversation compared to a sat down conversation, and I didn't ever particularly try to sort of remember things, but I, I can trace lots of conversations I've had to a specific place. I did a a course that's like methods and human geography with the geography department at Swansea, and that just really opened my eyes to just how many people are interested in this field. So just everything just built up and it just like it just convinced me that this is the way to go, really. And it just felt natural, like a really natural way of meeting people.
0: So when you began your research, did you start by taking your interviewees around Cairlion, which was the place I know where you grew up, in order to trigger... Their memories on these walking conversations.
1: One of the basics is is actually that I don't take people around; they take me around. Uh, so that's that's a really important distinction. I see this kind of triangular dynamic of of me, you, and the space itself. So this space will actually talk to both of us. I can't sort of really know how a particular place is important to you but I kind of can, I know how it's important to me. Doreen Massey, uh, a geographer, she's been dead a few years now, but she she, she was always pushing sort of the idea that, that sort of time is less relevant than space in terms of the way we live our lives, really. And that actually space is consistent. So, you know, you can go back to that place and it's still there. It might have changed a little bit, but it's still there. So we can walk along the street and broadly experience the same thing together. But somebody who's 70, 50, whatever years older than me will have so many more attachments to it. And the great thing about walking through a place is that the actual being there, it kind of triggers different memories and thoughts and emotions that I I, I wouldn't know how to ask the question about because I sort of. I wasn't there. And this is the, the really interesting thing about this approach because, um, for example, I was walking along with somebody who told me about what it was like to to move to um, <clears throat> what was then a new housing state in the late 60s. And then she she talked about that kind of sense of isolation when the housing state didn't have a proper bus route or didn't really have particularly good streetlights and all this type of stuff and And actually, how it was a little bit scary to live there but but nowadays you think you know this is a sort of a fairly well established place, and it was when I was growing up there in the eighties and the nineties as well, but she also talked about a car accident which happened sometime in the late sixties and it was it was kind of the way she talked about it she is clearly something she wanted to tell me about because it was important for her sort of life story. It also just made me realize that. Back then, a lot of people were really, weren't very good at driving. You know, they, the cars didn't have very good brakes. This is an instant where a car crashed because I think it was a wet night and it was slippery. But it just makes you realise that there was this big stage in the past where people had to go through kind of the growing pains of actually having a car. And whereas when I learned to drive in the 90s and and got my driving licence then, it was, you know, so much more sort of rigorous and thought through and, and cars had better brakes and better lights and all this type of stuff. And do you know what I mean? Because I grew up in a period where this technology, the car, was actually fairly well developed and really thought through, but sort of 30 years before it, it was still a fairly wild in terms of people learning how to use the car. And and so she she revealed this memory to me on a piece of road which I had walked along many times when I was a child, but she she describes exactly the spot where this car had come through a fence and coincidentally crashed into the back of the next-door neighbour's house. So it was really, you know, lots of little things like that come up. It's context which you can't really, if you're of a different era, you don't quite understand how important that is.
0: So once you collected all these conversations, how did you then share them with the wider community.
1: So I I interviewed um, a lot of different people and then um, I thought so using this technique of going out for a walk and um, I thought the best way to actually share what I'd found was to actually go on a guided tour. I would lead the guided walk and then stitch together some of these stories for other people to come and in, in sort of investigate them and look and, and try and understand them. I worked with a, a performance artist called Morega Pulsa. She's based in Newport. And she's very good at just doing these little subtle performative pieces that unlocked lots of other stories, which, you know, there are things that I never could have really imagined people would have shared. But they they helped me to really connect in with that sort of period of the sort of late 50s, 60s, 70s. So they, they helped me to understand the sort of the time when people who were now older when they were younger and when they were growing up um so yeah it was it was really important this kind of walking around the first event we did we had about 40 people it was um m- many more than I'd expected but um the way that Marega did these performative pieces she also did a piece which was about how the street lights didn't really exist in the late 60s so it was this real sense of sort of this this place of all these sort of post-war housing states was, was being shaped at that time. A lot of the people that I'd met, they had grown up streets of terraced houses in the valleys of South Wales or, or in Newport itself. So yeah, it was great in terms of opening up in a really subtle way. So that, that really helped to just generate loads more conversations.
0: And the process of walking was absolutely crucial, wasn't it? In terms of getting people to open up.
1: Sometimes the the physicality of doing something connects with our our memories and our deeper emotions so it's that's in in terms of empathy it's also quite a good way of understanding how people index things index memories and emotions differently it's not all about um things that are written down and in in terms of i think what i mentioned earlier on the way that being in a space kind of breaks down kind of power dynamics as well so if if you and i are out walking together in a place which maybe isn't terribly familiar to either of us then we're both a little bit vulnerable we're both a little bit sort of unsure about where we're going i think it allows you to be a bit more sort of how can i put it a bit more sort of forgiving and and modest in the way that you conduct conversations and. And because the, the questions and the conversation is, in, the, in in lots of ways actually spurred from the the place itself. And one of the things I have really found is that um, different sort of spaces allow for different types of conversation. So if, if you're walking uh, along like a, a strip, you've got maybe a hundred meters ahead of you um, and there's nothing in the way, then you think, okay, well now I can maybe get reasonably deep into into a particular topic so I can uh, talk about something in a bit more detail and and um, what's really fascinating is also that you kind of develop a bit of a rapport with somebody at the start of your meeting Your, you know whether it's in a group whether it's one-to-one you know you can look at them and, and sort of you know make a bit of eye contact but after that you don't have to worry about that anymore you just walk side by side so it it means that you don't have to waste sort of emotional energy on checking to see if the other person understands you or not.
0: And why did you choose Killian?
1: I mean, the reason I chose Killian, this is the place where I grew up. And so not long after I started my PhD, my dad got diagnosed with cancer and it wasn't going to be curable. And he he lived about 18 months and then I, I, I ended up spending a lot of time back Where I grew up with Dad, and then after he died, one of his friends said to me, "Why don't you do your research here?" And I initially thought, "I don't really want to do that because I'm, you know, it's it's kind of important to, well, you know, move on from from the death of a parent." But actually, it really helped me to sort of sort of process lots of things by actually you know when i was going out for walks with people i i you know these places were really important to me as well they they were places um from when i was a child and when i was a teenager i did occasionally share some stories with other people that i've met i knew that walking along certain places would make me remember you know quite deep memories as it goes it wasn't precisely on the really important places that are important to me but it did make me realise that, you know, me being the interviewer, I, you know, there are times to kind of, sort of stop the pressure, if you like.
0: And can you tell us any more about some of the memories people share?
1: I had some fascinating conversations with people about about their, you know, their their parents dying and their their sort of partners and things like this and all sorts of really hard stuff. And yeah, I, I'm I'm sure that. It, if I were to sort of go back to that place and interview some kids, then there would be things like, you know, this was a, a spot where I got bullied, or this, or you know, all, all the kind of. I'm not going to go into all the teenage details, but you know, there were places of triumph, aren't there? That you 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 know, where your your first kiss or something, or like you know, the first place where you illicitly drank alcohol with your friends or something, and it it, it sort of it goes to prove that you you can never really prompt the right questions you you might just arrive at a place and 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 it will just be massively significant to somebody what this technique was really good for was actually connecting people with an earlier stage in their life and I mean that was the remit of my research anyway but it was really you know the one of the people I spent a fair amount of time with really started to to get his head around sort of about what the 1970s meant you know when he was a teenager and he was able to look back on that time and put it into context with with the present day but there's one person as well who really talked a lot about being a nurse in the early days of the NHS and you know that developed brought lots of feelings of pride and
0: and am I right in thinking that you used technology to help you conduct some of these conversations
1: as well? Some people couldn't um, go out for a walk because they were that bit older, or one person I met who had dementia. But I would do what I call a walk of the mind, which is where um, we imagine a walk in our heads, um, and then again, it's the other person's lead in the conversation. But we kind of follow a route, and then I follow. I imagine that route in my head and follow what what they're what they're saying to me. And and equally that was brilliant for coming up with lots of different things as well. Since 2019, I've extended that that uh, technique to uh use kind of Google Maps and online space. So yeah, so you we can have that conversation and on the screen you've got a, a map of that place, and then it means that we can both follow the map. the screen it's like it's an amazing resource it's and that's that's what's so kind of amazing about this this whole kind of technique is that is that it helps to uh uncover things that we didn't even really know that we knew and also when you're um sort of in a place then you've got the the visual sort of connection but then you, you said at the start of our conversation about how it's cold today. So, you know, that's another element that the deeper sensorial connection to, to memory. By being outside, you could you can probably think what time of year was it? And then all those other things come forward. And then that might help to sort of remember what you were wearing or who you were with. Or it's really, yeah, it's just it's a multi-layered sort of way of connecting with memories and emotions. and It's and and kind of coming back to sort of like the, the Doreen Massey point, which is I think that dates are actually really hard to remember, and you know time obviously does happen, but it's very subjective. And as we get older, then we can reflect on our lives very differently. Certainly, when we're younger, everything's very immediate. When you're younger, and 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 in some ways, time actually goes more slowly when you're younger. But when you're older, it 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 goes more quickly but but yeah I think dates are actually really hard to remember and and I think spaces are are actually once you think a bit more deeply then you can you can remember a lot there's also you know why do we go back to certain places for you know tourist visits we've obviously got a really deep connection to certain places so yeah places places are more important than we realize and I think that by walking around then we we uncover lots of things that wouldn't otherwise come forward really
0: so how are you taking this forward Alad? have you got any new research plans
1: um yeah so so um also currently doing a, a research project which is about um perceptions of climate change between older people and young people so we, we'll we'll start actually having the conversations next year but some of the things that we've just been talking about I think will be interesting I think they they will sort of show themselves in terms of people's connection to places and how they how they experience it and um, they'll be yeah really interesting uh, I've also kind of got some ongoing work with younger people and um, mental health and connection with sort of urban life as well uh, and yeah just doing some teaching at Swansea, which is about, um, you know, the basics of this technique, really. So I think it's all about kind of pushing this, this philosophy and, and seeing where it goes, really.
0: So last question, Alid, as we come to the end of our conversation. Obviously, walking has been really important to you in terms of your academic research. So do you have any final words for our listeners about getting outside and connecting with their environment?
1: just go out for a walk with somebody else, make make walking a social thing, uh, you know, just go out for half an hour, an hour with somebody. Now is an interesting time of year with most of the leaves having gone and sort of ice on the, on. you know, in, in the environment, on buildings and things. I think taking photos is a nice thing to do. I mean, lots of people, I follow lots of people on Instagram who are taking photos of their walks. And, you know, you can even go out one day and look out for certain colours, look out for the colour yellow or something, and that can make things more interesting. Um, and, and and you know, coming back to the foundations, what I've been talking about, actually, sometimes going with somebody else, maybe going with somebody else who's younger or older than yourself, because they'll, they'll see very different things and want to talk about very different things as well.
0: Well, after this conversation, Alid, I'm I'm going to take my dog, Harry, take him for a walk.
1: Yeah, dogs are a real connector for lots of people, for sure. Um, Yeah, really, really significant way of people actually connecting. Um, Yeah,
0: Alid, can I just say a huge thank you for sharing all your research with us? Absolutely fascinating. It's been really brilliant. Thanks.
1: No worries. Cheers, Susan.
0: You have been listening to the Independent Teacher podcast. If you like listening to this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.